Church on the North Coast, how's it going this morning? Man, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm just incredibly blessed and overwhelmed, and I know you are too, but man, God does it over and over and over and over again. Isn't it crazy? Come on, tell somebody. He's going to do it again for you today. He's going to do it again this week. Tell him. Go ahead. Let him know. Declare it. He's going to do it again and again and again in your life. And what I mean by it is bless you. <laughs> He's going to care for you. He's going to cover you. He's going to invade your anxiety with hope. He's going to take your depression and give you peace. He replaces anything and everything in your life that is not of him. And he, and he gives like literally a piece of his being and he places it inside of you. And man, Sundays are so beautiful to me. Wednesdays, just the church, just having a lighthouse, a, a, a home base. You know, you ever, you ever play tag as a kid, maybe as an adult, we played tag over Thanksgiving and there's always home base. Right? It's the safe place. It's the place you come to and you're like, I can't take anymore. <laughs> you're chasing me. I need a break. And every time I enter this room, 40 years, every single time I drive on this property, every single time I get off that exit, and I know I'm just, I'm making my way, suddenly God begins to invade my space. And he, and he replaces, like, the worry of the week. He, he, he takes away the pain and the, and the regrets of my life, and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he infiltrates himself directly into me. I, I feel taken over, possessed by the goodness of God, and it's just an incredible, incredible thing to have this church body. Amen? I love you guys. Well, listen, there's some other things. I wanted to clear up the video. Dude, the video was good, right? I was like, go ahead and preach. They said, who, who was that? I was like, I don't know. I had an image in my mind. He was like, you know, a tall, really good looking black man, white beard, like preaching. That's who I saw. I don't know who it was. I don't know who did it, but it was awesome. I'm like, just keep going. If you couldn't read the script, our Cleveland location is having a New Year's Eve service. It's a New Year's Eve service. So we're going to have a worship night on New Year's Eve. It starts at 11 p.m. It's going to be at the Cleveland location. Pastor Dom is uh, just all pumped up about it. And there's so many folks that want to bring in the new year just worshiping Jesus. So that's what that is. You guys are invited. Lorraine, make your way out to the Cleveland location. Come out and worship with us and have a great time. It's going to be an incredible way to bring in the new year. So that's what's happening, okay? All right, good. I want to make sure you guys knew all about that. There's one other thing I want to add to that. Op three, my courageous men, where are you? Anybody in here? Come on, let me hear you. So D-Day has been set. D-Day, the designated day to get something done. It's January 7th. It's right at the top of the new year. And Courageous Men has partnered with Op3. Uh, man, we're really excited about it. What this does is give you guys an opportunity of a very tangible, very approachable, systematic way to build your faith by, by reading the Word of God. Like, that's a pretty simple way to put it. Am I saying okay, Ken? That's a pretty simple way to say it. There, there's more to it, but, but man, this is, a, this is a great opportunity for guys to, to finally take the step to being the man that you always known you are capable of being, right? You, you hit these phases in life. You're like, man, I, this week, this year, this month, whatever, I want to be the best version of me. And I know I need to make some changes in order to do that. I know I've got to step out of some comfort zones in order to get there. And here comes Op3. And this is your chance to do that. So you can partner with us to be, be a part of that. It's an incredible uh, opportunity, guys. So, so find Ken, find Nick out in the lobby. Ask about it. You can jump on our website. There's some links there. But January 7th is the date you want to circle on your calendar to be a part of that, okay? 
That sound good? All right, that sounds good. Hey, one more thing I want to do. Who in the room, and there's lots of you, some of you are already standing up in the back, you're ready to help me with my message today. Who in the room serves on our connect team? Kind of the front of the house, all of our greeters. Man, you're pouring coffee out there. You're greeting new, new visitors. You're blessed. Would you just stand on your feet real quick, just real fast? If you've walked through this building at any point and you were hugged and you were loved and you were greeted and you were made to feel part of the family, maybe Carol poured you a cup of coffee. You know, Pastor Skip shook your hand. Somebody asked you how we do. Can we just give them an incredible round of applause? And, and just let them know we love them. You guys, you guys are just so incredible. We, we, we could not do what we do with that. In fact, that's, that's, let me say it differently. We, 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 uh, we, we want to do it that way. We want to have an opportunity to be able to love on people. It's one of the, the, the kindest things that I hear when people say about North Coast. Man, I just I always feel loved when I walk into the building. I'm never ignored. I'm approached. I have good conversations. People treat me as if they've known me my whole life. And you all, you do that every Sunday. So thank you. I just wanted to make sure I took some time to tell you that this morning. We love you guys. Appreciate it very much. All right, who's ready to get into the word? You guys ready? There's a story in the Bible about a man named Jonah. You guys have probably all heard it, or maybe, maybe you haven't. I'll tell a little bit of background about it. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty cool story. It's a redemptive story. You know, my message is titled, Don't Call to Come Back. But the story of Noah speaks to the grace and goodness of God in our lives. Even when we're serving him, a servant of God, Jonah was. We know what we got going on. We have a relationship, and yet there's times in our life when we walk away from what it is God's asking us to do. This is exactly what happened to Jonah. He was called to go to a city called Nineveh, probably about 100,000 or so people living in this large city, not living right. Go to Nineveh and tell them the goodness of Jesus. Tell them their ways are going to, are going to create hell for them. I can't do it. There's just, it's just not going to happen. Like, I, there's no way... I can go there. Like these folks are on a whole nother level. There's just, there's so many of them. I'll be inundated. Excuse after excuse. Can't make it happen. Jonah, as you know, if you don't know, he, he snuck away. He's like, I'm just going to go over here just real quick. I got something to do. I'm going to go over here. He snuck away. And he found a, found, a, found a boat and instead traveled to another city to try to hide from what God had asked him to do. And on that boat ride with a whole bunch of other men and people on the boat, going to different places, have different things going on. Jonah, again, finds himself at the, the, the smallest portion, kind of hiding away, right? Everybody else is doing their thing. There's shipmen running the boat. There's probably other people on it doing what they got to do. You know, you got a long journey. You're probably playing some cards, hanging out. He's like, listen, I'm just going to hide. I don't even, even want to be a part of what's going on. He's in the bottom of the boat, and he's sleeping, and here comes a big, giant storm. God's already working. He's like, that's not what I ask you to do, Jonah. I'm going to need you to get to where it is that I need you to be. And so I'm going to have to wake you up. The storm's brewing. It's getting worse and worse. Everybody's getting nervous. And, you know, the guys on this boat coming from a whole bunch of different places, they're serving different gods and following different idols, and they're all praying to everybody, trying to figure out who did this. There was a connection back in the day with, with the Lord that's a whole different level, right? Like people were well aware of the fact that they were very much not in control and that when things were going wrong, somebody did something that they weren't supposed to do. We got to find out who did it and set things right because otherwise we're all going to die. 
So they didn't really care who was in charge. They just wanted to find out. Like, let me pray to this guy. What about your guy? What about this one? We got to figure things out here real fast. Where's that dude Jonah? Nobody's asked him about him and his God yet. What's going on with him? And they find him sleeping in the bottom of the boat, hiding in the bottom of the boat. Jonah offers himself up immediately. Like, it's me. I, look, I did it. I'm sorry. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to throw me over the side of the boat and get rid of me. I, 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 I'm, it's my bad. Like, I don't want everybody else to have to die. Just get rid of me. Everything will be fine once that happens. And here's what's crazy. I, I read it, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I think of a sailor, especially in those days, and I think of a rough, gruff, like, bad type of guy that would probably just be like, okay, sure, gone. Problem solved. Let's move on with our day. They weren't that group. I don't know why. I don't know how, but they were like, no, listen, that's not cool. We don't want to kill you. Not to mention, and maybe they were thinking, what if we do that? You're a man of God, right? If we do that, are we going to get punished? Like, so maybe there was a little bit of selfish intent there, but either way, it was a very difficult decision for everyone to decide to throw Jonah over the side of the boat in order to calm the storm. But here comes God. He's already making arrangements to put Jonah in a place, a very difficult place, to rearrange his mind, set him straight, and enter into the grace and goodness of Jesus. How many of you guys know that there's often times in our life when, you know, we're, we're deciding not to do what it is we're supposed to be doing, and yet here comes God. He arranges situations in our life that at the time seemed daunting and overwhelming. At the time, I'm sure... Jonah is starting to begin feel very, very hopeless, like this is it. I, I, I turned my back on God, and now here comes my fate, to drown in a storm. In Jonah 1, it says God made arrangements, though. He arranged for a fish, a whale, a mammal, to come along and scoop Jonah up out of the water and put him in his belly. The wildest of scenarios, <laughs> the wildest of possibilities taking place at this point. Jonah flopping around in the water, and here comes this giant whale. Oh, takes him in. And now Jonah is in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. I don't know what the first few minutes were like, other than just sheer and utter terror, confusion. <laughs> a lot of seaweed and who knows what just all over the place but if it were me I think I would begin to think to myself this is the end this is the worst day of my life this is the most hopeless I have ever felt there is nothing else that I could possibly do to make this day any worse when you hit rock bottom like Jonah did there's really only one left thing to do and it's to look up it's to begin to pray it's begin to seek the face of God and ask, Lord, what, what is it that you need of me? What can I do to escape this feeling of hopelessness and despair? Because I'm now sitting in the belly of a whale. I'm now sitting in despair. I've lost my job. My spouse has walked out. I've lost a loved one. I have nothing left. And if you don't intercede, my life is over. Jonah knew the first thing he had to do was look up. Now, the funny thing is, you know, I know praying is, is what we're called to do, and the truth of the matter is, is that 
I think about it often, and I, you know, God's power amazes me, and then I realize, I'm like, you don't even really need, you don't need my prayers. You don't, you can do anything you want. It's not like, unless I pray, God won't do miracles. Like, he's God. He's doing what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, how he wants. It's happening. But God's got a plan. God wants your prayers. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to feel you crying out to him in order to connect you with the plan and vision and understanding of what it is now he's going to have you do. Your prayers matter for many reasons. But Jonah's connection with God at that very moment began to loosen his mind and understanding that, Jonah, there's a plan. I have one for you. I have not left you. You're praying to me, and that's the first step. You're hopeless, but there's a small little glimmer left somewhere deep down inside that made you say, I know that if I begin to cry out, if I begin to look up, if I begin to pray to the Lord, to, care, to share my care, to share my heart, to share my despair, that something inside my belly tells me that he's got something left for me. Mark 9 28 and 29 says that the disciples privately asked Jesus, why couldn't we drive that bad spirit out? And Jesus answered them, this kind can only be forced out by prayer. You know those kind of problems in life when, you know, Mr. Fix-It, mansplaining comes around, and I'm like, here's what you got to do, and here's what happens. And if you do this, then this will take care of that. And we all want to solve our problems. But there's some things in life that just can't be explained and fixed with words. Sometimes... There's pains and there's hurts and there's decisions that are made. There's circumstances that take place that nobody, I don't care how good of an orator you are, how deep your knowledge of the word of God is. We know that there are some things in life that only prayer can fix. This is exactly where Jonah found himself. In a place, in a problem, in a situation where only prayer could fix what was taking place in his life. Number two, you got to pray passionately. Man, come on. Like, you know how you separate the difference between somebody who is dealing with some things and then they're dealing with the thing? You know, it's pretty easy. It's the volume of their prayer. <laughs> it's the expression of their prayer. I've had a bad week. I, I had a great week. I've had a bad week. We've all had bad weeks, right? And, and suddenly it's like, man, he must be dealing with us. I see him up at the altar. He's worshiping. He's praying. But then we've had some bad weeks, some really bad weeks. That looks a whole lot different, right? Like here I am having a first bad week, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm here. I'm here. You know, I might have some tears. I'm worshiping Jesus. You're so good to me, and I'm, I'm into it. But then there's those moments of bad weeks when, when that looks a whole lot different. Like the kind of problems that only prayer will fix. Now, now, now I'm, now I'm, I'm here and I'm, Jesus, help me, Lord, because the desperation of the attack of the enemy on my life, the pain that I'm dealing with, the hurt, the struggle, the loss, it requires every part of my being. I'm crying out, God, please save me. I'm desperate. I've got nothing left. And if you don't do it, nothing will save me. 
I know you felt that pain before. We all have. The volume and the passion of our prayer matters to God. It changes the atmosphere in our life. The communication level begins to heighten. And now God infiltrating the issue in his life and Jonah's life at that very moment. Because don't tell me he was in the belly of a whale, not screaming and going crazy. That's what was happening. (laughs) I was not there, but there is just no way that you're not freaking out. That those prayers weren't filled with a certain type of passion never felt by him or anybody else ever. You are now in the depths of the sea inside of a whale. You are screaming, man. Those life's moments require passionate prayer. Identify the cause of my hopelessness. Man, it's so important we understand what's going on and why we're dealing with what we're dealing with because there's a reason. Ushers, if you'll help me, you can start to pass those out. There isn't a single person in this room that's either dealing with something that, that, that created or has currently having hopelessness in your life or, or someone that you know, a loved one, a friend, a daughter, a son, a husband, a wife, the hopelessness that exists in our lives, each and every single one of us can identify those things. And this is what happened. Here's Jonah. He begins to pray. This is in Jonah 2, is 3 through 6. He says, you cast me into the deep water, and I sank to the bottom. You cast me into the deep water. He's telling God, like, you did, you did this. And I'm now I'm here. I'm in the deep water, in the belly of a whale, of the sea. And everything was churning around me. And when I was engulfed by powerful waves that overwhelmed me, then I thought I've been banished from God's presence. This was the moment when your wife walked out on you. This was the moment when you got the call and the diagnosis turned you upside down. This was the 40 years of putting your time clocking in and clocking out and suddenly with one decision by a guy way off in New York City, their pension's gone. These are the moments in your life when There's nothing left. You have no understanding. You're left thinking to yourself, God, where are you? Are you even here? Do you even care that I exist? I feel like I've been banished from the presence of God. And this is exactly where Jonah is at. And I'll never get to see your holy temple again. I was scared to death, afraid I was drowning with water choking me and seaweed wrapped around my head. The moment that I'm feeling that, that choking, overwhelmed, incredibly lost feeling in my life, I kept sinking down to the mountains that rise off the ocean floor. I felt locked in a prison forever. On this paper, there's eight, I think eight feelings of hopelessness that you're either experiencing or have experienced or know someone who is experiencing. And what I want you to do is look at them and think about them. And there's a little checkbox there. I want to identify the reasons that I'm feeling the way I am. 
There's a good reason for it. The first one I'm feeling in over my head. Jonah said, you cast me into deep water. I'm beyond my capacity. I went too deep. I tried too hard. I went out of the plan of God. I spent way too much. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, but now, man, I'm overwhelmed and financially. I just can't take it anymore. I bit off more than I can chew. God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm in over my head. Feeling I've hit, hit uh, rock bottom. I've hit the bottom. I sank to the bottom of the sea, Jonah says. I'm at an all-time low. This is one of those days, man, when your girlfriend calls and she's like, look, we're done. We're through. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm left. I'm alone. I've hit the bottom. Feeling out of control or powerless. Jonah says, everything was churning around me. Could you imagine? Have you ever gone for a swim in Lake Erie? When the waves are chopping just a little bit, it's an overwhelming feeling. Could you imagine being in a deep sea when their storm is brewing to the point where waves are cascading over your head 20 and 30 and 40 feet high? Have you ever felt like that in life? I'm just, I'm overwhelmed to the point where I'm, I'm rudderless. Literally, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm drifting through life. I'm getting tossed right and I'm getting tossed left. Nothing's making sense and I'm just a buoy sitting in the ocean. My life is all over the place. I'm powerless and I'm out of control. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I was engulfed, he says, by the powerful waves that overwhelmed me. Pushing them down over and over again, gasping for breath. At one point, it probably felt like a relief to get swallowed by a whale and finally take a breath of stinky air. Feeling rejected or lonely. Man. My, my wife and my kids went out of town last week. I told my buddies from the gym, I'm like, man, you know, my kids are going out of town next week. And I was talking to one friend and they overheard me. They were like, wait a second, what? Wait, 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 wait. Your, your whole family's going out of town and you're staying home? I'm like, yeah. They're like, the whole family's leaving and you get the whole house by yourself? I'm like, yeah. They're like, that. how did you do that? <laughs> like, we're coming over. I'm like, no, you're not. This is, this is me time. And even though I know they were just a little ways away from me, man, I can't imagine what some of us have felt like in those moments of being lonely. I, I sat in my house all by myself with, you know, I thought my, my dogs were keeping them company, but I'm like, yeah, I'm lonely. I want my family back. Remorse and regret. That feeling haunts us. The decisions that we've made in the past, the secrets that some of us will take to our grave, that we have to live with every single day, the regrets of the past lives that we've lived, feeling trapped. Oh, I'm in this position. I have no idea how to get out. I've accepted terms and I just don't, I don't know what to do. I feel trapped. Man, what about fear? Fear is a crushing, crushing feeling. It freezes you. You literally don't know what to do with yourself. The worry, anxiety, and doubt that come from a spirit of fear are absolutely terrible. Now that you've identified them, and maybe you've checked, man, you might have checked all of them on the box. 
But surely there is at least one on there that you have felt, you're feeling, or you know someone that is dealing with it. And it's important that you check one. Or all of them. Because a major obstacle in getting to where it is God wants us to be is the inability to acknowledge where we are. To recognize the issues that we're currently dealing with. The places that we're currently in. And in order to overcome them, we have to acknowledge them. And now that we have, let's work on them. What do you say? All right. Now we know what we got going on. We can ask for help in a very specific way. God, I deal with fear. I'm afraid to make this move. Everyone's telling me that if I do this, this will help me. This will take me to the place I want to be, but I'm gripped by fear. I can't move. Because if I do it, then what will happen to this? And then if that happens, then what will happen to that? Then the hyperventilation starts, man. Like, look, if you don't deal with it, you don't deal with it. But if you've dealt with it and you deal with it, then you know what I'm talking about. Anxiety, depression, ugh, worry and doubt. It's a lie from the pit of hell and it is evil. It'll grip you like something that never gripped you before. Feeling overwhelmed, not sure where to go. Feeling rudderless, like you have no idea what your purpose even is. Could you imagine? I can't. I know you can. Those are rhetorical questions. My humanity shares your humanity. It's our blood-bought, saving grace, Jesus, that we also share. That's why we teach and we preach to bring the good news, to oppose the lie of the devil, to ensure that the steps that we're taking are ordered of the Lord and we're moving into them. That's why we are a community of faith. That's why we come here on a Sunday. That's why we come here on a Wednesday, to remind ourselves that we are blood-bought, that God is for us and he's not against us, and that the lie of the devil doesn't exist when the presence of God is in our life. From the deep, in the world of the dead, I asked for help, and you listened to my cry. I love when we begin to pray back the word of God. In my moments of despair and rudderlessness, fear and doubt, overwhelming, the easiest, best way to turn the ship is to begin to pray back the word of God. I mean, just go to Psalms, crack it open and start reading. Just read it back. There are the promises of God in your life. It says in Psalms 50, 15, call me in your times of trouble. I will save you and you will honor me. Number five, focus on the goodness of God to me. And I love, I love this. I say it all the time. Renew your mind. Renew your thinking. I'm not sure how to do it. Stop saying that. <laughs> Stop saying, I'm not sure how. Start saying, God, you are so good to me. Start acknowledging the little things in your life. Looking at what God has done for you. You got clothes on? Yes, that's awesome. We can start there. You got some shoes on? I got multiple pairs. That's a blessing. My family is healed. My body is whole. I drove here in a car today. Man, shoot, if I didn't have a car, I had bus fare. I made it. 
I've got food in the cabinet. I've got friends I can call on. I'm breathing air. If that's all you got, whoo, thank you, Jesus, for air. Put the goodness of God on your lips and begin to speak it. Begin to praise it. Begin to worship it. Here's how you can do it. Get real specific. Speak the goodness of God in your life. Shelter in the storm. I am whole. I am blessed. My family is happy. God, I thank you for your joy. I thank you for your peace, your patience, your mercy. Number six, reject reject false fixes and accept God's grace. Man, there's so many false fixes. You know, I hear some people sometimes talk about, man, I just need some, like, some shopping therapy. I need to go out and just buy some stuff, make myself feel better. I got to go visit Target, just smell the things. That'll help. Get a Starbucks and buy a bunch of junk I don't need. I just got to hang out with my boys just for a few minutes. If I can just, if I can just go from here and be there, that'll, be, that'll fix me. That'll be what I need. What happens? If I just take one hit, it just calms me down. A couple drinks at the end of the night, it's just the way I decompress. I've gotta, I gotta get back to work. Like you don't understand, it's, it's how, it's what makes me tick. I gotta, I gotta put more hours in. If I can just accomplish this one task, everything will be all right. We know where that goes. You just become a workaholic. You just become a shopaholic. You just become a alcoholic. Because there's never enough. The false fixes that this world provides can never replace what Jesus gives. And it'll only cost you everything. (laughs) It'll only cost you giving up every single thing that you have in this life. Suddenly the things of this world grow strangely dim. And I can't comprehend why when I'm in my vehicle and I drive past a shopping center, why it's so full. Like, what could you possibly need again today as I pull in and just park my car and go in and get something else? (laughs) How could you possibly think this is a good feeling when you wake up in the morning and your brain feels like a pancake has just been smushed inside and you can hardly breathe and you have to lay around for three days just to recover? How could you possibly think spending another hour of your time inside of a building in a cubicle or an office or wherever you work, punching the clock, getting more money, having more just to have more, neglecting your family, having no relationships, not enriching yourself. For goodness sakes, put your feet in some dirt once in a while. The goodness of God in our lives is found in living. It's found in the expression of gratefulness from our mouth, in worship with our whole being, in declaring to all those around us, Jesus saved me and he can save you too. What do I got to do? Give up everything. You have to reject the false fixes that this world provides. Romans 125 says, instead of believing the truth, many people choose to believe lies. My message to you today is to wake up. It's to hear me when I tell you. No, it's to feel me when I tell you 
that the mercy of God in your life is abundant, but it requires everything from you. A few minutes ago, we identified the areas in our life where we're feeling hopeless. And they're there, man. Like, this is one of those first steps. You got to admit it. You got to recognize it. You got to lay it out there for everybody to see. That's why I know when I say, hey, you know, everybody in here has got one of these boxes to check. Because you're dealing with it on one way, one level or another. But there comes a time, like the Men of Courage Company, when we recognize there's something more available to me. There's a moment in my life, in every, all of our lives, that you know, we're going to have to take a step back and go, is this the best version of me? Can I be better? Do I want to be better? Do I want to achieve the top of what God has for me? Today is the day that we get there, and in order to do it, we have to make an exchange. We've got to trade in our hopelessness, and we've got to receive God's grace. We've got to choose the grace of God in our life. The pain, the regret, the overwhelming areas in our life, the gut punches that come, the worry and the doubt that are swirling around us, the confusion and chaos that has overtaken our lives must be exchanged for the grace of God in order to be relieved of them. There is no other fix. I hate to burst your bubble, but going to the party, getting excited, buying a new outfit, taking another sip, hanging out with another girl, meeting a new guy, opening a new business, achieving another level of success, it just isn't going to fix the problem. The good report of the Lord exists in one place, in one place only. It's in his grace. It's in his mercy. It's in your surrender this morning. I want my pastors to come up and help me. Did you have those designated? My pastors, if you would come up and help me. Philippians 3 says, we put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ has done already for us. The hundreds in the room and the people watching online today, I want to leave this place and boast to the world about the goodness of God in your life. But it's going to require you to make an exchange this morning. Are you willing? Are you, are you interested? Let me entice you a little bit further. <laughs> it says, you, O oh Lord, have saved me and brought my life back up from the pit. Let me put a period on it. Jesus the King of kings, Yahweh, the Lord of lords, is your Savior. I am not your Savior. You are not my Savior. Man, listen, sports are not your Savior. Jokes on Pastor Troy last week. He thought maybe I'd want to get everybody out of here for the Browns game. I don't care about the Browns. I really don't. The things of this world grow strangely dim to me, mundane and silly and pointless. I don't care. The moment you step in to the grace of God, the overwhelming goodness of his presence in your life takes over 
everything else. I'm a willing participant, but only for the sake that I might have the opportunity to convey to you the goodness of God in my life at that very moment. So yeah, let's go cheer the Browns. But when I see my window, if I get my window, I'm going to use it to ensure that you know that there's something better than this euphoric high with 80,000 other people screaming and shouting that's only going to last for about another hour and probably less because there's going to be some sort of tragic end to the situation, most likely. <laughs> there ain't no artist, no singer, no celebrity, no actor, no baller, no anybody that is your savior. Stop. Ain't no Democrat, ain't no Republican, ain't no politician out there that is your savior. Please stop. Now listen, I've been caught up in it too. But oh man, over and over again, God reveals to me the goodness of his grace. And when I'm the best version of myself, man, I'm swimming backwards in it. <laughs> Backstroking. Downstream. Flying by. Hey, Lou, come over here. I'm, I can't. <laughs> the current's got me. Hey, man, come check this out. I don't want to. The water's too nice. Man, did you just hear about what happened? I don't care. I'm staying right here. Then suddenly a phone call comes in. The negative report. I check my bank account and Suddenly I figure out what INSF means. I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, crap. That's not good. Show up to work. My nameplate's gone. Thought I was coming home to a dinner with my family. And empty house. Spent my whole life loving on people, and yet here I sit alone. 80 years old. Thought I gave everything I had and I'm, I'm lonely and I'm depressed. And I got nobody. It's in those very moments that we have to exchange the lie of the devil for the grace of God. We have to put the praises of God on our lips. We have to renew our minds, identify the problems and say, devil, you have no authority here. Suddenly those prayers of, oh, Jesus, you're so good and I'm so glad I came here with my family today. I'm such a good person. You start to acknowledge what's really going on in your life and it changes things. Suddenly those prayers of, Oh, yay, and God help me with this. And now I lay my head down to sleep. I pray my Lord to soul to keep. I declare the goodness of God in my children's life. Devil, I rebuke you. You have no stronghold here. Forever and ever they are blessed. I rebuke sickness over their life. I declare them whole emotionally. I refuse to accept the report of the doctor. I only look to you, Father. I reach up to you alone. I put my blinders on and I declare, Jesus, that you are my Savior. And there is no one, nothing, that can replace it. God, I exchange my worry and my doubt for your grace. I exchange my pain and regret 
for your grace. God, I give you my sickness for your grace. I give you my confusion, my out of control thoughts for your grace. God, I replace every part of my life with you and your grace. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. Irrevocable. That's a big word. I had to look it up. It means they can't change. Once you're called, you're called. Once you're saved, you're saved. Once you're full of grace, you're full of grace. And God has done that for every single one of you in this room, online, in this world, all across the globe. But in order to live it, we have to exchange it. In order to receive it, we've got to give him our pains. All of them, every last one of them, and choose the grace of God. If you're ready to choose grace this morning, stand up on your feet with me. This is what Jonah did. He exchanged the chaos in his life that he caused. <laughs> Somebody hand me a tissue, man. I am like going crazy up here. Clarence, I need you back, man. Fix the knee. Let's go. Thanks. I know he's trying. How many of us know, man, it's like you look at these things and you can quickly slip into some regret, right? Like, I caused, I mean, almost all my problems. Like, there's a few here and there where like, right, look, that ain't nothing to do with me. I ain't do that. But man, by and large, I am my biggest problem. Right? It's crazy. Even that, though. Like, that's exactly what he gave us. He's like, it's, it's fine. I know that. We, I knew this. That's why I died, man. That's the whole point. So I'm trying to tell you all this time. That's why I had to flip the script and send my son to die for you. Because you can't get out of your own way. So I'll get out of the way for you. I just want to exchange with you all the negative things in your life so I can give you all of my goodness. But it's an action item. It's a verb. I, I, like I love, I love the floaty. It makes me feel good. I feel Holy Spirit all the time, and it's great. I look for it. I channel it. I'm like Jesus. Come on, let's go. I love that. But there's nothing more powerful than stepping out of your comfort zone physically, stepping out of your comfort zone and matching those things together. Because it doesn't just declare to yourself that you're making changes. It, it declares to everybody around you that you're making changes, and then things start to change in your atmosphere. Because I see you change, I change. Because you change, something in your life changes. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those pieces of paper that you check the boxes on. Make sure you have them in your hand. My right side. You guys are going to be my right side. I know I'm not doing it the correct theater way, but you're my right side. Makes it easy for me. Y'all want to make a change today? 
the boxes that you checked on those pieces of paper, do you want to get rid of them? Because I, I, I really don't want you to walk out of this building with them. There's no reason to, I should say. So here's, here's your opportunity to do it, and I'm going to ask you to do something physical. I know you, people don't like to do it, but you, this, is, this is the day to do it. Just get it over with. Rip it off like a Band-Aid. Take that piece of paper, find one of these anointed people up here, and I want you to exchange that piece of paper for what they have in their hand. And I want, I want you to understand what you're doing here isn't just a physical act, it's a spiritual one. It's a defiant act against the lie and enemy of the devil. To tell him that I will no longer live, I will no longer live with this pain, with this regret, with this hurt. I'm gonna exchange it for the grace of God. I, today, December 11th, 2022, I choose grace. I choose grace today. If you're ready to do it, come up here and grab one of those stickers. Come on, come and do it. Middle section, listen. Today is your day of salvation. I'm not just talking about your eternity. I'm talking about your life. Your life. This is going to be the best year of your life, and it's because you're going to do something about it. You're no longer going to live passively, waiting for a check to show up in the mailbox. You're going to go get your tail to work. You're no longer going to be looking for your miracle. You're going to change your eating habits. You're no longer going to just try to, try to work out your relationship. You're going to pick up the phone and you're going to say you're sorry. And I don't care what for, just say it and do it. And then love them and cry together. And let Jesus do the rest. You want to change that today? Then make a move and exchange that for grace this morning. Come and do it. Come and do it. And do it quick. Hand it to him and, do, and give him the sticker and hand it back to him. Put it on him. Put it on. We'll pray here in a minute. Put it on him. Exchange it fast so everybody can get it. Come and exchange it. Come and exchange it if you haven't already. Come and exchange it already. This side, come and exchange it already. Come and exchange it. Don't wait. Don't sit there. Come and exchange it. Declare today that today is the day the Lord has made and I am going to live in the peace and resurrection power of Jesus from here forward. Make a statement. I choose grace today and forevermore. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Come on. Now, as, as you make that exchange and before you go, if you're here today and you've never met Jesus and you don't even know what grace is, you don't understand it, you're not sure how to use it, you're not sure about what I'm even talking about, or who is Jonah? If you take anything from today, take this. You have a maker, you have a creator, and he loves you and he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to turn your world upside down. And all you have to do in order to meet him is accept him as your Lord and Savior. Just tell him, Jesus, right now, tell him, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You alone are my Savior, and I will worship you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just did it, you just exchanged a whole lifetime of hurt and pain for some grace. Give it up. Come on, bless them. Put them on the altar. Yeah, we're going to burn them. Marty said we're going to burn them. We're going to burn them. We're going to burn every single one of them check boxes and they're never coming back again. Amen. Come on. Listen, Merry Christmas to all of you guys. Be here. Invite somebody to church this coming Sunday, Wednesday, and get here and worship the King. Amen. Be blessed. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. We'll see you again here real soon.